Welcome back to the Geekcentric Podcast, and welcome to our watch club for Star Wars The Bad Batch Season 2. Some come to Pabu looking for a clean slate, a chance to start over. As a father, you couldn't ask for a better place to raise a child. Welcome back to Watch Club. My name is CTO831, but you can call me Hugs, and this is our Watch Club for Star Wars The Bad Batch Season 2, Episode 13, titled Pabu. If you're joining us for the first time, this is Watch Club, our weekly review series, kind of like a book club, but way better. Keep in mind, we will be going to full spoilers for this series and Star Wars in general, so if you haven't watched this week's episode yet, be sure to do so, and then come right back in less than 12 parsecs. Now, before we're all hit by a sea surge, let me introduce you to the experimental crew of Ragtag Troopers joining me uh, for this adventure. But you know, actually, you know what? Just like Echo, some of our team has left us to fight the, their own fight against the Empire. So this week, it's a bit of a smaller battalion, but regardless, we are so glad to have a true <laughs> friend and war hero joining us. And her name is CT0118, but you can call her Brushstroke. How's it going? It's going well. I've, for the absence of our our dear dear friend, I'm gonna say, ahoy hoy. <laughs> oh, you know what? I think we all we all you know what? <laughs> like as if he's he's our fallen soldier. We just all stand and say ahoy hoy in a moment hoy. of silence. <laughs> <laughs> we miss you. Uh, he is he is perfectly fine. He will oh, yeah. be back, I'm sure. Uh, and I hope I hope he'll return. I hope Echo will return. Um, you know, I'm hoping for a lot of things this season. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's kind of get into things here. This episode, uh, kind of a little bit more less. It's definitely not a dark episode like last nope. week's. Last week was super dark. <laughs> this was more of a tropical island, uh, rest and relaxation style episode. Sure. One that, yeah, I don't know if it fully worked for us or for me or for what did you did you think it was? Yeah, not really. Yeah, this one, this one took the steam out of my whistle. I don't know how to say that. <laughs> the steam out of your whistle. The wind oh, no. out of my my sails, I should say. Okay, there you go. Season. That makes more sense for yeah. a tropical <laughs> style. The wind out of your sails. Yeah. Uh, you know your boat that took the water out of your your ocean and then gave it back or whatever. <laughs> uh, Megan, I wanted to start with uh, before we get into the episode because it is going to be a little, probably be a little shorter. I'm not going to mm-hmm. lie. Um, I wanted to ask, what was your, what was the first, because for Omega, this is like her first vacation, if you yeah. think about it, right? Um, what was the first vacation you remember going on? Oh, that's a great question. The first vacation I like distinctly remember being a part of, I was mm-hmm. eight and okay. we went to Florida with my oh, grandparents. We didn't go to Disney though. <laughs> we, I... Don't ask. I don't know. But we went to a place called Bush Gardens. I don't know if yes. anybody's ever been there. Okay. And it was like a zoo-ish type place. It was also sort of a theme park. I don't really remember yeah. any of the rides. The only things I remember are being in almost like what would be a butterfly conservatory, but just with birds. And oh, wow. having a bird land on my dad's head and sit there. <laughs> For the entirety of us being in this, what? 
Um, I remember that. That's crazy. And I remember, again, my father gets pulled up for everything. He doesn't volunteer, but everybody thinks yeah. he's volunteering. And he yeah. went um, to do some sort of dance with the dolphins, and then they splashed him. And that was <laughs> that's all I remember from that trip. Those are core memories. Yeah. Core memories. I My answer is also Florida, actually. Um, <laughs> I distinctly remember the first time I ever went to... Uh, Disney World and Universal Studios, and yeah. we we went with our. I think it was our real estate agent's family. I don't know what. <laughs> like we moved, we move a ton in, in in my family. Like I'm pretty sure I've moved like at least twenty times by now. Wow. Um, and so so we got to know that real estate agent well enough to go to Disney World. But it's like I, I remember moments. I don't remember. I think I was maybe even a little younger than eight, and um, I remember Mickey Mouse calling me on the phone. Like that was, it's ingrained in my mind. It was amazing. I remember getting an animatronic parrot that was really realistic in a very eerie way. I think I, we did that ride. uh, We did the, we did the one, the, what is that one? The Tiki, the Tiki, 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 Tiki tiki room. room. Yeah. And, uh, and so like, I was like, I get to own one of those. What the heck? It was unreal. Uh, And then I just at Universal Studios. Somehow, I just I ended up with a crap ton of Jurassic Park toys. Sure. I don't know. I think maybe the house that we sold, we got a lot of money from it or something. Because <laughs> I just I just remember having like it felt like, and when I was like, it was you know, you're a little kid, so I probably yeah. had like six dinosaur toys, but I felt like I had all of them. <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was amazing. <laughs> um, so I was in I was in heaven as a big dinosaur fan. But that is yeah, Florida. I think that's probably an answer for a lot of folks. Is, I think is so Florida. too. Yeah, yep. which is probably why we're the way we are. Uh, is yeah. you know we just <laughs> we had to wanting go to, these, to go back there, wanting to always go back there. Um, yeah. But I, I think visit. I don't think I would. I don't. Know I if would I never live. live there. No, no, no. No, no. Personally. no offense to our Florida listeners. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, listen. Before Sid, Sid, actually, Sid seems like she's from Florida. Sid, Sid, no comment. Uh, no, no comment. No comment. Um, well, before Sid surprises us with a scathing, scaly, hollow message, uh, let's get to this week's episode. So we start this week off with a hostile negotiation between Fee and Omega uh, and Lance Crowder, uh, an artifact dealer who attempts to poison Fee. And when Fee makes note of the poison, Crowder releases uh, a Kuhun. Uh, which is a venomous anthropod, or arthropod, sorry, uh, and it sneaks up her chair. It's, it's a little creepy little crawly. Yeah. And uh, just as it's about to sting her, Hunter's knife stabs through it, piercing it against the wall over Crowder's shoulder. Uh, he then stands up, and Crowder's crew draw their weapons. Wrecker makes his presence known, and, uh, <laughs> and a gunfight ensues. Omega, uh, you know, fires her bow and traps Crowder inside of a bell-shaped lampshade that was hanging over top of him. Uh, and then Tech is interrupted during a game that he's playing, by the way, against himself because oh uh, he's he's the best. He's the mo- only opponent that he can actually uh, enjoy playing against. Uh, and they, they tell him, hey, you got to come pick us up. Uh, and back on the ship, Omega expresses uh, that that was a fun mission. I wrote Mishan. Mishan. <laughs> Mishan. Uh, so what did we think of this sort of, I would say, classic Bad Batch opener for this episode? I actually wrote the word classic. It was yeah. bombastic and fun and exciting. And it, it gave off that, like, we knew this was coming vibe. They had their post stationed throughout that little 
pub or bar, wherever they were at, and they planned for everything. I don't know how they know these things, <laughs> but it's almost like they knew that bug was coming out to stab, yeah. uh, what's her name? Fee? Fee? Fee. Yeah, Fee. Fee in the neck. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was super fun to watch. Great start to the episode. Unfortunately, unfortunately for me, I feel like this is the top of the this episode. Was the peak. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it shouldn't hit that hard so fast and then fall so hard. <laughs> yeah, I think there's maybe like one more moment that was kind of really lovely, but yeah. for the most part, it yeah, this was kind of the peak, especially uh, if you're a fan of sort of the the traditional bad batch adventures that we go on yeah. and I, I don't think that it's it's like we don't have to always get those same sort of things um and this episode tries to do something different i just don't know if it fully nails its execution um yeah. but no it was honestly i actually really enjoyed seeing fee working in tandem with the crew here i mm-hmm. feel like she's kind of uh even in the last episode that was probably i think still one of the weakest episodes of this season which Every episode was really great except for that one. Um, And, you know, even there, she kind of didn't feel like she was fully part of the crew. And here she's definitely starting to come around uh, for me in this episode. Uh, Steve uh, Bloom, by the way, is the voice of Crowder here. You might recognize Steve's work as Spike Spiegel from the anime Cowboy Bebop, uh, Wolverine from the animated X-Men series, and Zeb Aurelios in Star Wars Rebels. No yeah. way. Oh, yeah, a little so cameo. Cool. I mean, d- Steve does the voice of like almost all the characters in all the things that you've, yeah. you've watched uh, <laughs> over time. But um, yeah, I still remember uh, being at Fan Expo Toronto when they debuted. They did the Canadian premiere uh, for Star Wars Rebels and he was on cool. stage and we got to talk to him. And this was before it kind of like really blew up and yeah. uh and you sort of it was cool it sort of felt like we're on the ground floor of this new star wars thing and and i don't know it was it was before i think star wars animation really kind got of going. i think got to the masses and got going so mm-hmm. um now the the relic uh that they had it looked very mushroomy uh it kind of looked like it was made of jade oh yes yes you know, it kind of looked like something that a Star Wars, like, grandmother would keep on her <laughs> shelf. I don't know. Or, like, maybe you could, like, smoke out of it. I was hoping Darcy was here. He might know. Oh, my God. For real, <laughs> What though. it could have been. It, it almost reminds me of, um, I mean, we're just in the midst of another watch club as well. But it's yeah. all that crystallized stuff on Mandalore in the Mandalorian oh, yeah. season three. It sort of gives off that look. Obviously, Whoa. I mean, no. that can't Timeline be wise. from that. No. <laughs> But I mean, it could have been another uh, planet that was crystallized, right? And yeah. and uh, you know, I think the idea is that it's from a specific culture, uh, and they're rescuing it, which is really really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's keep going here. Back on the ship, Fee comments how impressive Omega was during the mission, uh, <laughs> and she also recommends that Omega uh, should have a friend of her, you know, uh, her own age, one that doesn't share her same genetic makeup. Uh, they receive an incoming hollow message from Sid, where we learn it's been 20 rotations since they last had any communication with her. Uh, she tells them to remember their mutually beneficial arrangements and how well they know one another. She says they do well to not assume she's just threatening, quote, you boys. So who exactly is Sid threatening here? I mean, them. <laughs> The no, boys. for sure. The boys. <laughs> um, I feel like she knows a little more than she leads on at all times. Yeah. And I think she knows how important Omega is. 
and mm-hmm. she's willing to give up Omega to save her own skin. So yeah. if it were to ever come to a point where they don't communicate with her enough and they don't do the job she wants them to do, watch out. Right. She's and then we got that uh, Ernie Hudson's character. I can't remember his name, but he was saying in, in that episode with Teo uh, yes. <laughs> that he's like, <laughs> hey, watch your watch your backs, guys, because like she's she's not to be trifled with. And um, no. I'm wondering if she has connection with Cad Bane or Fennec Shand. Like I'm wondering Ooh. if in some way she through dealings through her, you know, that she's done in the past, if maybe she's found a way to be in touch with them. And I mean, I. I don't know. I I struggle to think that she'd take it that far, though. You know what I mean? Like, I know she's upset, but do you think she'd actually? I don't think she wrap holds ties with anybody. I don't think she trusts anybody. I think she yeah. she cons a lot of people. Yeah. So I have a feeling that that could be their biggest issue with her. And Omega is so trusting. She's a kid. She's innocent. Yeah. You know. So Hunter trying to cut that tie. I think mm-hmm. is a good thing because Omega's, you know, she she sort of has a soft spot for Sid, and I don't think that's safe for her. Whether Sid mm-hmm. is going to do anything overtly like negative or villainous, yeah. I don't I don't know if she'll ever get that far. But I think Hunter's right in not totally trusting her. Well, I mean, we do have uh, more seasons. Uh, of the Bad Batch, I'm sure coming up. I don't. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know if anything's been announced, but I'm sure we do. Um, you know, obviously, you know, uh, on the Mandalorian side, Filoni is or, or Favreau is saying, "Oh, we got. We're not even halfway through." So I'm sure <laughs> if that's the case, you know, Filoni's probably like, "Listen, give me a few more seasons with these, uh, with this Bad Batch." And I think, you know, if if uh, if we do get to see um, more of a a redemption arc for Crosshair this season. Maybe mm-hmm. going forward, we get we do get that betrayal from Sid, and we get yeah. a really. I'm looking for honestly, give me a make me moment, uh, make me cry moment with Omega, just mm-hmm. looking at Sid and just being di- like disappointed and sad, and ah, oh, it would be amazing. Like what if what if Sid's Sid's the one who gives her up to the cloning facility or something? Whoa, whoa, whoa. That would be really unfortunate. That yeah, makes I'd be a lot pissed. of sense, though, now that you say it. I'd be really upset. Um, it's also interesting to see the juxtaposition that they're sort of laying down here between Fee and Sid, yeah. um, where Fee is kind of helping them because she sees so much potential in Omega and knows that she deserves better, and she knows that she can provide that to her, whereas mm-hmm. Sid is just you know, threatening to bring them harm if they don't return to basically not really be their, be her friends, but her employees. Like it's yeah. basically just like, not only am I going to fire you, but something really bad is going to happen. Uh, and that's, that's not great. That's not great. So let's, let's keep going here. Fee asks Hunter uh, if they have a plan and then asks them to come with her to her planet. Uh, once they arrive on the planet, they land on the beautiful Island of Pabu uh, that Fee describes as her home away from home. Fee describes the Archeum, uh, which holds treasures from all across the galaxy, remnants of various cultures of the refugees that come to Pabu for safety from the Empire. Uh, then we meet Fee's friend, uh, Mayor Shep Hazard, and his daughter, Liana. Uh, and after further introductions, we learn that Fee never brings friends to the safe haven, not even Sid, which that's good to hear. Yes. Uh, <laughs> while witnessing the vastness of the island, Omega and Liana encounter some Munoz, 
Um, Monios, oh, so much fun. Buy all the plushies. Uh, <laughs> which the elders of the island say uh, have been there since before the island was inhabited. As Omega laughs, Tech and Wrecker take notice as Fee continues to suggest they stay on Pabu permanently. So what did you think of Mare Shep, Liana, uh, and the island of Pabu? See, I wanted to like this. I was excited yeah. about this. And yeah. this is where the episode truly starts to fall flat for me. It, mm-hmm. uh, I don't, I don't know how to explain it. This happened so much in season one for you guys, yeah. where a lot of these episodes feel like a kids show. They give off this childish sort of expositional feel, and it's not that entertaining for an adult to watch. It's great to watch the animation, but. We didn't have any of those episodes this season, and I was so excited that it was getting darker and more intense, and the storylines were deeper, and now we've gone surface level again. Fee gives off this super scripted kids show expositional vibe, and her whole explanation of the archaeum and the cultural aspects of all the artifacts and everything is so blah. And I wanted it to be really cool because it is a great concept. But the way that, and I I don't want to fault Wanda Sykes for this. It's also the script, but it just felt like a kid's show. It felt like I was watching like Carmen Sandiego or Dora the Explorer, but heightened a little bit. You know, right. where they're just sort of standing there. Hey, kids, this is the Archeum. This is mm-hmm. where all these really cool things from all over the world come to stay. It's yeah. just, I, yeah, I don't know. Even the new characters, too, the way they're introduced. Um, what was his name? The the prime uh, minister or whatever the, he is? The mayor, Mayor Shep. <laughs> the mayor. He <laughs> even comes off really expositional and yeah. childlike and... Yeah, so I th- I think this is sort of where the episode starts to fall flat for me, and it has a hard time picking it back up. I would agree. I would agree with that from a writing standpoint, and it, I think it's one of those things where it's like, even if it isn't as far as you say it is, because how phenomenal the writing has been in all the other episodes, you yep. feel it more. You feel it more when they drop the ball even a little bit. Uh, and I think that's kind of what's happening here. I will say from a positive standpoint, gorgeous island oh, uh, reminded me a lot of Greece, um, the way the city was structured and being surrounded by ocean and kind of mm-hmm. all the different layers. And then even Upper Pabu, where they have all the columns, very Greco-Roman inspired with all the different columns. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say as far as, yes, it was expositional, but the concept, you're right, for what Fee is doing brought Fee up in my books a little bit as a character. Oh, yeah. Like before it was, you know, she's making shit up and she's like going and like, oh, we gotta <laughs> we gotta go get this thing because of this and it's like not actually important. And I'm just like, okay, well that that's not that's not a great what what was the point of all that in that previous yeah. episode with her, right? But this one, you know, I think it, it's it's you know, we've seen time and time again where and we talked about this just recently in The Mandalorian of like the Empire is not only taking over uh, different planets they're they're wiping out the remnants of those societies they're wiping out their culture so to see that she's not just a pirate but she's someone that collects maintains and secures different people's cultures is awesome yeah. that is such a cool idea and such a cool spin on the on the, the sort of character of a pirate 
I think it really brings a new light to this character that I didn't see before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really, really appreciate it. So I was I was happy that, hey, that's the idea with it. You're right. The way it was kind of explained, is like, okay. But but it, it almost <laughs> felt like they really, they really wanted to have this character maybe have more of a theme, but maybe they just couldn't find a way to, to have more uh, adventures with Fee. And maybe we'll be getting that in the future. But mm-hmm. it did feel kind of like... Like, if, if this was something that I got to see, as opposed to what you just said of her just being like, this is what it is, and don't worry about that, because we're not even going to really talk about that Dude, for the rest of the episode, yeah. then yes, then it would have been way better. But So as a concept, I, I really appreciate it. Um, I think Shep's laugh when Wrecker says, put her there, and they both like <laughs> laugh the same way. I was just like, okay, that's pretty cute. Yeah. Um, Liana is doing for Omega exactly what Fee is doing for for Hunter in this episode. She's mm-hmm. asking all the right questions to help Omega see a different life that she could have. Uh, and of course, Omega instantly hits it off with her, just like with Hera. Like it's like the yeah. same. You just get a little kid with Omega, and they're they're going to be best friends because if you think about it, like she doesn't really get that much opportunity to spend people time with people uh, her own age. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I got to ask you a question. Because this was like really confusing for me, but did you sense a little moment between Tech and Fee at the end of this scene? I mean, she calls him brown. Oh no, that's Sid that calls him brown eyes. No, no, Fee Fee calls him brown eyes. Yeah, she has been flirting with him from day one, and for real. I mean, I don't blame her. (laughs) (laughs) Tech is interesting in this season, but it is it's really funny to see that happen, and I I wonder. If he's clocking it at all, <laughs> like <laughs> right, because he of kind of is. he doesn't really pick up on social cues that much. No. But there, there were a few moments in this episode where I was kind of like, "Is that is that gonna happen? Is that actually gonna happen?" <laughs> like it seems like the camera stays on him a little longer after she walks away, yeah. and then he turns around and walks away. And it's really it's kind of awkward. Even the movement is a little bit awkward here from an animation standpoint. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, let's let's keep going here. After enjoying a meal, Wrecker says. I'm full. I'm never full. And Tech says, I will note the date and time to commemorate such a momentous occasion. And I just <laughs> had to shout out that moment because it made me really happy. And I was I was like, that's great. Oh, I um, Omega, <laughs> Omega and Liana take a boat out into the water. Uh, and Omega comments how her previous life was surrounded by the ocean, uh, but never felt uh, like the ocean that's around Pabu. Uh, and during a beautiful moment where, you know, we, the, the rest of... Uh, Sorry, a be- during a beautiful moment of rest, we see the lights around the island illuminate all at once. Unfortunately, this moment is interrupted as Hunter senses a disturbance made clear to him by the Munoz running away. Uh, suddenly, which by the way, Munoz, like, I, I don't I know mean. about that name. I'm, I don't. <laughs> it's okay. Makes no sense. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but give me, give me, uh, what was the one, the Lermans? The Leaping Lermans? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, suddenly, the island shakes as a tremor rocks the entire island. And Liana suggests they head back in just to be safe. But before they can make it back, a sea surge breaks out and a loud siren blasts as the island continues to quake. As the Bad Batch work to evacuate all of Lower Pabu, uh, Omega and Liana jump from their boat to attempt to swim back to shore. But in doing so, the water all around them gets pulled back into a giant wave uh, that they now have to run from. Eventually, Hunter manages to swing by and pick them up with the Marauder. The entirety of Lower Pabu is evacuated and now displaced without homes. Tech estimates that it'll take 
Tech estimates. I always, I don't know. <laughs> tech estimates that it will take many rotations to rebuild Pabu, and uh, Hunter suggests that they stay to help with the repairs. So, before we get to our final thoughts on this episode, what did you think of this terrible luck for our Bad Batch crew <laughs> arriving and then immediately encountering a natural disaster that supposedly doesn't happen all the time? I mean, they needed some sort of exciting incident, I guess. <laughs> I, I guess, right? <laughs> um, yeah. But again, here's a moment where there were stakes, but they didn't really feel that big. Like, yeah. I mean, it, it gave the vibe that, you know, Omega and Liana is her name, yeah. were stuck out so far. It looked really, really far away from Pabu. <laughs> yeah. And then all these people are running up this these staircase-type hallways and trying to climb the side of Pabu. And it's like, there's no way everybody's going to live. But then everybody lives. <laughs> yeah. I get their homes are destroyed, and that sucks, and they're going to stick around to help rebuild. Yeah. Again, it just feels very kid showy where it's, you know, there's these big stakes, but then everything's fine. So yeah. it didn't really feel like there was that much of a payoff for this episode. I mean, I guess we have quite the buildup ahead of us with three mm -hmm. episodes left after. So we had to have some sort of filler episode in this there. Needed, we needed a rest, I guess, yeah. right? And this is their answer to that. I just, honestly, I kind of, I almost would have preferred a slower paced episode that was actually a rest, that mm -hmm. was them taking in the sights, goofing off, uh, getting little moments of, of fun. And, and we get a little bit of that. I don't know if we needed the the, the sea surge. You know what I mean? No. Like I, I, I guess it's the, the one, it's the quickest way for them to be like, well, we got to find a way to make them stay and, and they have to help rebuild. Yeah. And I'm like, no, there could have been, I think there could have been something else. I think it, honestly, it could have just been Hunter just sees how happy Omega is and he just yeah. makes the decision to say, let's stick around for a little while. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, to have like deep conversation. It doesn't yeah. need to be this intense battle sequence or like a dark battle. It doesn't need to be action, <laughs> dark action. Right. It it can be a really dark and intense conversation had yeah. about how Omega's never been a kid before. And they touch on these things, but they don't go into them too yeah. deeply. Because they had to put amount of a certain amount of time for the sea surge which yeah. in my description i don't think i left anything out and it was pretty much just it's that, like right nothing happened right so i think back to the episode two where um uh omega and tech are stuck in that uh mine yes and they have the conversation about emotion and family and how omega saw echo as a family member and tech's like well i I get it, and I feel mm -hmm. that too, but I don't mm -hmm. feel things the same way that you do. That's yeah. a really deep topic to talk about yeah. in an animated show. And they could have gone into something like that in this episode, but they chose to make it surface level and expositional. And that's where I have my biggest issue with this one, I guess. Yeah, and I think they, I think it was, you know, in that episode, they could have had a situation where, uh, Hunter and Wrecker have to, they have to rush to save them because they're drowning because the water's filling up and never had that conversation. That's kind of felt, that kind of feels like what they, what, what, what they did here. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I would have loved for them to have a little bit more time. I will say Kevin Kiner pops off with the music again, though, in this episode, oh, yeah. uh, the Tycho sounding drums when uh, Omega and Liana are running 
uh, and then the way they blended into the strings, I thought was really, really good. Um, and then I, I one little neat thing that I noticed is um, the hand that Wrecker saves Shep with uh, as Shep is about to fall uh, is the same hand uh, that they shook with when they met. So it was kind of, and they, they okay. sort of grabbed their arms together in the same way. And I was like, that's, that's a neat little detail symbolism, um, to, yeah. to kind of put some symbolism in there. But, but yeah, I really was hoping for, for honestly, if, if this was supposed to be a, uh, a relaxing sort of episode, they, I don't think they needed the sea surge. I think there could have been a more, com- more opportunity for conversation, but uh, yeah. I want to know what are your overall thoughts and final score uh, for this episode, which we're going to be rating on a scale of one to five danger sensing Munoz. So overall, like I've said repeatedly, this was a lighter episode compared to the majority of this season. Not as dark, not as intense, not as adult, but it gave that childish aspect that I didn't miss from season one. Right. I, I don't mind when episodes feel a little bit more for kids. I've watched Bluey by myself. (laughs) Come on. But this one just like, it felt very surface level. It didn't go into storylines or conversation that I think that it could have and it would have mm-hmm. benefited from. Mm-hmm. Definitely not my favorite episode. And I didn't actually feel very much connection to this new place. I kind of wanted to really love Pabu and mm-hmm. it didn't give me enough time to fall in love with the people in the place. So for that reason, I'm going to give this a two out of five danger-sensing Munoz. That is the lowest score I think I've ever given on a watch club. <laughs> I think so. Wow. Um, no, that's okay. I think this episode was fine. Um, I enjoyed seeing the Bad Batch at times in, you know, resting and Wrecker eating, a, a you know, saying he's full. I thought that was a cute <laughs> little moment. And again, some of the symbolism and the concepts they were going for with this episode were great initially. Um, I think it just sort of fell into, like you were saying, like just some of the sort of easier answers to say, well, let's just have a big sea surge event that'll keep them there. Um, it didn't feel like there was a ton of moments of, of just getting to have those conversations. I think the moment, the closest we get to that would be uh, Fee and Tech you know, sort of having that moment when all the lights go on or Shep and and Hunter um, kind of having their conversation and then even Omega and Liana talking about that sort of thing. And, and again, it's it's these little tiny moments that are just interrupted by this big event that I don't necessarily know if that needed to happen. Um, and I think it could have been better if we'd sort of just really gone in a different direction with this episode. Um, you know, I think this the good the good stuff is, again, the music, it... It introduces a, a, a safe space for the Bad Batch away from the Empire. Um, and maybe it could, honestly, it could be their final resting place for these characters. I could totally see this working uh, as yeah. a location that we come back to um, maybe by the time the series is is over. Um, and again, this episode did elevate my ideas of Fee Genoa. Uh, her overall intentions as a liberator of ancient wonders, I think is really cool. The idea that we have a character that is is out there to... Uh, rescue culture uh, in a mm-hmm. world where the the governing body is is destroying it, trying to make everyone into the same thing. So I love that we have that. Um, I can't. I'm, I'm hoping we get to explore it more. And it's it's honestly, it's a even just the thought of it 
has elevated the character of Fee in my mind. Because I, I, especially yeah. after the episode that was focusing on her, I was really down in the dumps about Fee, and I'm, I'm really happy uh, that she's she seems like they might be able to do some really cool stuff with her. Um, and then, yeah, I think overall, it was fine. This was a very predictable <laughs> episode. Uh, doesn't do too much. Uh, so I'm going to give this one a 2.5 out of 5. Danger Sensing Munoz. Uh, that's the lowest score that I also gave uh, the previous uh, Fee-centric episode. And, and Fee was one of my favorite parts of this episode. Um, so so great for her. But again, I don't necessarily know if, if this is uh, peak Bad Batch. I'm, I'm excited yeah. uh, for next week. I'm excited to get into a little bit more stuff with Crosshair, I'm hoping. Um, and I, yeah, I'm just excited for this, this show. I think other than, you know, kind of these two episodes that we described, like, this season has just been oh incredible, outstanding, outstanding, yeah. incredible Star Wars. Uh, but that is it for this week's Watch Club. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, this week's Watch Club for Star Wars: The Bad Batch season two. Uh, if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts. If you haven't already, and if you want to write into the show with your thoughts or predictions in the shows we cover in Watch Club, uh, well, you don't have to run away from your mean green auntie only to land on an island as it's hit by a sea surge. Instead, Megan, can you let the big, beautiful batches know where they can reach us by hollow message? Absolutely. They can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or if you're more interested in chasing a bunch of Munoz all the way from the <laughs> sea to the top, top, top of an island, you can find us on Twitter at GeekcentricYT or on Instagram at wearegeekcentric. It's just like if a Muno and a Lerman met each other, like what? What would happen? That's like a Goofy owning a dog situation, like Goofy and Pluto (laughs) situation. I'm like, I don't, that's weird to me. Uh, Keep in mind, we also have a ton of other great episodes covering the latest in movies, TV shows, and games, including our recent spoiler-free review uh, for the Apple TV uh, original series, Hello Tomorrow. And if you enjoyed this Watch Club, we just uh, wrapped our Watch Club for HBO's The Last of Us, uh, which was absolutely phenomenal. And you can go back and listen to our thoughts on every episode for that show's first season. Uh, and if you dig this watch club um, and you also believe that this is the way uh, we have our Mandalorian season three watch club going out every single week shortly after each episode debuts on Disney plus uh, and speaking of the Mandalorian season three we also have interviews out now like our interview with the Mandalorian season three uh, director Rick Famuyiwa as well as Bo-Katan Kreese herself Katie Sackoff, Justin had the chance to chat with both of them and discuss their voice in the larger Mandalorian story. And there's also a lovely moment about Star Wars parenting. So go give those episodes a listen. Go watch uh, some of those interviews on YouTube at youtube.com slash geekcentric. Uh, and you can also check out my interview with the Bad Batch themselves, D. Bradley Baker. Uh, I got a chance to talk to him. Still one of my favorite moments of so cool. last year uh so again subscribe keep up with all the stuff we got coming at you we're gonna have some stuff coming from star wars celebration uh in the next month very excited to talk about all of that i'm so stoked to see what we get out of that um so look forward to our coverage on that uh in april uh megan thank you so much for joining me for this watch club a little like uh you know two team up watch club here very fun uh and as we say good good soldiers. soldiers Follow orders. orders.